Hello, friends. Today I'm talking about John chapter 13, verses 21 to 38. And this picks up on where we left off uh, yesterday with the beginning of uh, Judas being identified as the betrayer of Jesus. And Jesus goes ahead and washes all of his disciples' feet, including Judas. And now we uh, we continue on that story. So uh, just to note, in John's gospel, there isn't a telling of particularly the Last Supper as a Passover meal of his disciples. But this is basically in place of that, uh, this narrative that's coming next. So um, the other gospels don't have the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, but those happen basically at the same uh, instance. So this is what's going on here. Um, Jesus, after saying this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and declared, very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. So he actually tells his disciples uh, that this is going to happen. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he was speaking. One of his disciples, the one whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter, therefore, motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So while reclining next to Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. So when he had dipped the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. It's uh, important for us to know that uh, that is this thing about the disciple whom Jesus loved. They, nobody's 100% sure who that is, but a lot of the theories point to it being the writer of the Gospel of John. And there's all kinds of theories as, as to who that writer is. I'm just going to call him John. Um, I say him. It's possible that it was a woman who actually wrote it. And, and there is one theory that the reason why it's named the disciple whom Jesus loved was to try to um, mask the fact of it being uh, a woman that had written it. But anyway, no one knows for sure. I think probably the most likely thing is that it is John, uh, as in uh, Peter, James, and John, uh, the one of the disciples. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. And that happens a few times in the gospel rather than naming himself in <laughs> just by saying his name. Uh, so yeah, I, no one, I guess no one knows for sure what's going on there. But it's actually not in this particular story anyway. It's not particularly, it's kind of an interesting sort of thing, but it's not particularly important to this narrative of how they're you know figuring out who the betrayer is but um most of the disciples don't actually know he's just said one of you will betray me and um jesus has sort of secretly revealed it in this way to john maybe to simon peter to peter as well uh so just by by doing this thing where he dips the piece of bread in the dish and then hands it to judas uh, John is the only one who who seems to know that. They're just sort of whispering to one another uh, while reclining at the table. All right, so verse 27. After he received the piece of bread, Satan entered into him. 
And we actually had this earlier in the previous reading as well, that um, uh, something about the the devil influencing Judas to, to betray Jesus. So here we go. Um, he's actually being uh, moved to do this by an evil power, right? Jesus said to him, do quickly what you are going to do. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Jesus, uh, Judas had the common purse, that Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the piece of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. This is, uh, is, is sort of a bit of brilliant storytelling. Uh, we know as the readers why Jesus gives him the bread. John knows as potentially the writer uh, why Jesus has given him the piece of bread. And then he says, do quickly what you were going to do. And we're told that no one actually knew what was going on. They they had a few theories. Those theories were all wrong. Um, and the thing is, Jesus knows why he gave him the piece of bread. And Judas knows why he gave him the piece of bread, because he says, do quickly what you were going to do. Uh, let's Let's get right to it. And at the very end of this, it's so after the receiving the piece of bread, he immediately went out immediately. So he went, he, what he is going to do is going to quickly happen. Well, notice that Jesus in the previous time said, uh, you know, this is my hour has now come. The hour has now come for the son of man to be glorified. And this is, this is it, right? So he's like, do quickly what you must do. And then the the great bit here is that this little section ends with, and it was night. So there's been this interplay between night and day, dark and light in John's gospel. And Jesus has been referred to as the light of the world. And he he's continued to say things like to his disciples, like, um, uh, you know, continue to the, do the work while the light is among you, or while it is day, continue to work when it's when it's night, you can't work. And now um, he's saying, ah, here is the darkest moment. Uh, Satan has entered Judas. Jesus said to him, do quickly what you must do. And it was night. And it's great storytelling because John doesn't put the setting of when it is up front, right? He doesn't just say, oh, it was night and uh, th- and then all these things happened. He tells all of the things that happened and then punctuates it with, and it was night, as in this is the darkest moment, which is fascinating because we're not actually at the crucifixion yet. Um, and yet all of these things are sort of coming together in this moment. And in John's gospel, it's actually quite hard to separate from this point on all the way to Jesus' resurrection is sort of seen as one big event in John's gospel. It's not sort of like there's the event of the Last Supper, and then there's the event of the trial, and then there's the event of the crucifixion, and then there's the event of the resurrection. In John, that just becomes one big thing, one big event. Now my hour has come, and now it is night. This is this is it. Uh, so then verse 31, we get this. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now... 
the Son of Man has been glorified. So you see what's happened, right? He said, now is the hour for the Son of Man to be glorified. And Judas goes out, nothing's happened. Jesus has not been lifted up on the cross. But he says, now the Son of Man has been glorified. As in, it's a done deal. This event is now in motion. And God has been glorified in him. So this is verse 31 of John 13. Uh, God has been glorified in him, in Jesus, right? Then verse 32, if God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Uh, There's lots going on in this sentence, but I actually think it's better to not try to understand it and to really just let it sort of sink in. Because right away we find that if we just let it sink in, the overarching message is just glory, glorification, right? Uh, So just listen, you know, now the Son of Man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and and will glorify him at once, right? Glorify over and over and over again. And so here it is. It's night. It's the moment of darkness. It's the very beginning of this event that is going to happen where it is the unthinkable for for most of them. Jesus is going to go to the cross and Jesus continues to emphasize this is glory. This is the glorification. Um, And then he continues on in verse 33. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so I now say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have a love for one another. And so it's really interesting, isn't it? Jesus repeats this, glorify, glorify, glorify. And then he repeats, love one another. Love, I loved you. You should love one another. Everyone will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another, right? This repetition of these phrases that are so important. I think it's fascinating as well to consider the context of Jesus giving this uh, new commandment that you love one another. Often this is just taken right out of context. I take it right out of context all the time. We can take it out of context, you know, that's possible. Love one another. That's a good commandment. We should totally do that. We need way more of that in our world, right? But the context is interesting because Jesus has just said, one of you is going to betray me. Judas has run out. We've been told it's night. It's the darkest moment. Jesus has said, this is actually my moment of glorification. And then he says, I want you to love one another. As in, look, things are going to get really bad. Things are going to be really hard. And that is actually the moment to focus on this commandment of love one another. You're going to need to love one another. This is how people will know that you are my followers. Not just that you love one another when it's super easy, but in this context. Love one another. Are they thinking also Judas? Are we supposed to love Judas who just ran out? And in particular, we'll find the next little passage because here Jesus is about to predict that Peter is going to deny him three times, sort of the chief disciple. And when we come to the end of John's gospel, uh, after Jesus is risen, he comes to Peter and he 
asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he asks him actually three times. And this becomes the core question, this question of love. Do you love Jesus? Do you love one another? And so are we going to love the one who even denies Jesus? Well, Jesus loves him. Does Jesus love Judas? I think he does. I think he does. I think the call is to love one another, even in the midst of denial, betrayal, darkness, difficulty, struggle, especially in those times. And it's really unfortunate, especially in the last little while, where we've seen actually, sometimes especially religious communities behaving in ways that are unloving, especially even towards one another, where there's been deep division um, within religious communities where they haven't been able to find ways to disagree and still love one another. And that's a real tragedy because here Jesus is saying, people are going to know you're truly my followers if you have love for one another. And sadly, a lot of Christian witness that we actually see is people seeing the opposite of that. So we need to return to this text and this ethic of in the darkest times, in the times of struggle, that's when we love one another. Even in the midst of betrayal and denial, we find ways to love one another. So here's the last little bit of that uh, section. Verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Right, Because Jesus had just said, where I'm going, you cannot go. Right? Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. And now Jesus could be talking about a couple of things. He could be talking about, uh, you know, I'm going back to the Father. I'm going to heaven. You can't come now, but later, like, you're going to die and you'll also come. But he also could be talking about the cross. So Jesus says, I'm going to be crucified now. And, and this is... This is my time. This is my hour. This is the moment I need to go and do this. And only I can do this particular thing in this moment. But he's talking specifically to Peter. And he's also, um, he also invites his followers to pick up their crosses and follow him. So he's saying, you can't go to this moment. This is a particular moment in time in history where the Messiah is crucified and the, the, the huge world changing implications of that. But you will follow afterwards, as in Peter actually does end up being crucified. Um, and he the, the legend is, is that Peter has to be crucified upside down uh, because it was um, unworthy for him to be crucified in the same manner as Jesus. Uh, but also others will also follow by picking up their crosses by this, this uh, road of service and suffering for the sake of others. And um, so it's not, that isn't the same as what Jesus does on the cross, um, but it is, it is similar, right? So you can't follow me now, but you will follow afterward, Jesus says. And Peter then said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. So, I mean, he gets the implications, right? They are... Um, he knows that that there's this sort of arrest worn out for Jesus. He knows that there's something going on. And maybe he's been in on this side, inside conversation. Jesus has said, someone's going to betray me. Peter knows, hey, it's not me. And he's maybe seen this inside conversation that's happened with the dipping in the dish of uh, and, and Judas and Judas running out. 
Most of the disciples don't know what that is. Possibly John knows, and then possibly Peter knows. And so Peter's saying, look, I would lay down my life for you. And there's irony in this as well, in that um, that Jesus is actually laying down his life for Peter and for all, right? So he says, why can't I follow you? I would lay down my life for you. I will be with you every step of the way. And then verse 38, Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And uh, and that's what's going to happen. So there's this bitter betrayal and denial that, that Peter is going to do. Uh, and he won't stand by Jesus. He won't lay down his life. And yet Jesus will lay down his life for Peter. He will love him to the end. So that's where we're going to leave it for today. I hope this uh, reflection sparked something for you in particular, helped us to think through what does it mean to really love one another the way that Jesus has first loved us in laying down his life for us. Um, So let's think about that. Um, And uh, that's what I'll take from this text for today for myself. Thanks for joining today. Take care.